0: ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 welcome back to the channel today we're going to finish up the top 20 rankings for my running backs as of right now for fantasy football 2020 and what we have so far is our top 16 in the bag i'll list them all up right now you can go check out that's broken down into three videos three videos of those 16 running backs we did six six and then four we're going to finish up the final four right now. And a lot of these guys, the last video was a lot of in-depth stuff. This is going to have even more in-depth stuff because parsing these guys apart is going to be very, very fine-tuned. And we're getting news. Finally, some news during this offseason. And the guy on the screen behind me is going to be impacted by that news with some Carlos Hyde signing. So I'm excited to break that down, where I think the impact is, how it affected me in terms of my ranking of Chris Carson, and what I think it actually means for him. And we'll get into all the other running backs. And of course, in this video. First, relax. How you doing? Tell me about your day. Relax. Take your shoes off. Get your beverage. This time is for you right right now and all i ask in return all i ask is if you hit the big old like button right the big old like button and if you smash the subscribe button because that helps me reach more people the content is getting a ton of positive feedback i'm feeling really good as we head into the months of june july and especially august if we can keep this momentum up i think very special things are on the horizon and that's thanks to all of you guys sharing it liking it all that stuff and hitting the notification bell and subscribe button allows it to reach more people that's likely how you found me so if you do that take two seconds of your time i greatly greatly appreciate it hop on into the discord right now down below the draft guide is going to be ready in two weeks. I have a lot of people asking about my rankings. I have a hundred plus player profiles coming. I have a ton of stuff, key stats, projections, all this stuff is coming in the draft guide in two weeks. Hop down into the discord right now. We're we're making some fantasy leagues, dynasty leagues in there. It's totally free to enter. I'll update you on the the draft guide while you're in there as well. So that's free down below in the discord. And let me know the question of the day so far. Would you rather have Chris Carson or Melvin Gordon for 2020 fantasy football? Just a redraft PPR as it stands today of you watching this chris carson or melvin gordon let me know a question of the day get some interaction going on down there in the comment section all right so bam you got the 16 running backs on the screen right now you're all prepped you're all primed if you haven't gotten to watch one of those Go watch those after this one, of course. Again, take your shoes off, relax, please take off those goddamn shoes, and let's have a good time. This time is for you. Zone everything else out. Let's get into this video right now for you, starting with Chris Carson. So there's obviously an elephant in the room with Chris Carson in terms of Carlos Hyde coming in there. Carlos Hyde had a thousand yard rusher last year with Houston, and now he's coming in to back up Chris Carson, or is he there to steal some work for Chris Carson? Now, I'll let you know where my mindset was in terms of my rankings. I had Chris Carson as my 17th overall running back before you had Carlos Hyde to in. I of Chris Carson now is my 17th overall running back. So you can see nothing changed, but there was a moment yesterday where I moved Chris Carson below some of the other guys in this video to number 19 overall. And then I started to think about it more. And we actually got more news in terms of just beat writers coming out with reports. And the news pretty much said that Carlos Hyde was going to more so be a threat to Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, who is potentially going to open the year. And now with this addition, seems like he's going to open the year on the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list. And you can see this quote right here that I'll put on the screen by a Seattle Times beat reporter that said, despite the signing of Fine. The Seahawks still intend on Carson to be one of their primary offensive weapons in 2020. One reason why they didn't want to pay too much for Freeman. Because Freeman wanted more money, because Freeman is more of a pass-catching threat, they would have to involve him more. They are looking more for someone to complement Carson and give another option than take Carson's job. That is exactly what I figured when this happened, because you look at Carlos Hyde's skill set. The man caught 10 balls on 14 targets last year. The man was pretty good after contact last year, but in terms of a true efficiency metric on a per-carry basis, he was not that good. I mean, Bill O'Brien ran the guy for over 1,000 yards, which is great. But it's because of Bill O'Brien running the guy out there so much when you have other highly efficient backs on a per-touch basis, like Duke Johnson in your backfield. I mean, Chris Carson literally set the NFL record last year with fumbles for seven. And you can see my tweet right here on once the Adam Scheffner news broke on Carlos Hyde. Chris Carson has seven fumbles last year. That sets an NFL record, and he's still playing over a former first-round pick in Rashad Penny. Penny was starting to play a little bit more before injury, but it was never in any extent that really made me concerned for Chris Carson's role. They love Chris Carson in Seattle, and you have now Carlos Hyde, who has a worse skill set all metrics going to be on the wrong side of 30 by the time the season really starts getting underway turning 30 in a few months and you have Hyde not a pass catcher Chris Carson started to develop those pass catching skills last year you have Chris Carson a much better runner on the ground at this stage in his career and probably ever than right now Carlos Hyde is so for me this looks like a very true backup situation the skill sets don't complement each other enough to be a 1a 1b because neither of them and if any of them really Chris Carson would be the one that has the pass catching upside not Carlos Hyde so that gets the elephant out of the room for us I would have been a lot more concerned if it was Devonta Freeman going there because he can actually catch passes and better than Chris Carson. So that would have been a concern with getting Chris Carson maybe off the field on third downs. But right now, after the development of his pass catching game last year, I'm going to keep him at RB17. Let me know if you have any other takes or concerns about that. But Chris Carson last year played in 15 games. He really only played in 14 games. He missed week 17 with injury, and then he kind of missed week 16. He only played on like 30% of the snaps. He ended up having a hip fracture. But overall, he played on 73.9% of the snaps. He had 278 attempts for over 1,200 yards and Nine touchdowns. He saw 43 red zone touches and he caught 37 balls, right? Over two per game on 46 targets. They hyped him up as a pass catching threat last preseason, and he ended up the coach peak by Pete Carroll ended up actually playing true there. Seattle ran the ball 30.1 times per game. That was the third most. And Chris Carson was a beast. He was fourth in yards created. He was highly, highly efficient last year. He was twelfth in fantasy points per game, fifth in rushing yards, sixth in evaded tackles, which helps him with his yards created number, and third in breakaway runs, which measures runs of fifteen or more yards. So again, effective and efficient. But let's look from weeks 10 to weeks 15 where he had a full six games before that week 16 injury occurred he was averaging 16.5 fantasy points per game one more per game than his actual season average he had four games of over 100 total yards by both receiving and rushing in those six games he had 22 evaded tackles he had on the season seven games of 100 plus total yards in nine games with 77 plus percent of the snaps 77 plus percent of the snaps and you're looking at 50 percent of his games the man was seeing 24 or more touches he was a true workhorse in a league that doesn't have many more true workhorses left so I love Chris Carson yes he got hurt last year and it's a hip injury which is concerning but the fact that they added Carlos Hyde does not concern me it's not somebody that I think especially at the age of 30 years old by the time the season starts is going to really push Chris Carson out of the job. The fact that Chris Carson can set the record for NFL fumbles last year, and Pete Carroll has smiles on his face and saying, go back out there, Chris. I uh, just don't do it again, buddy. Uh, it, it, it's feeling really good. And now you have a former first round pick in Penny, who they've been trying to get the ball more and more every year, but the guy just can't stay healthy. There's not much back here threatening Chris Carson. I'm not worried about Travis Holmner. I'm not worried about his teammate, Travis Homer, as I believe from college, DJ Dallas. I'm just not worried about it. So what did Seattle do in the offseason? Well, they did a good amount in the offseason. They end up adding to their offensive line a good bit, BJ Finley, Ogubuye, Brandon Shell, and then they add Philip. their Set a speedy receiver on the outside, adding more depth, right? More speed. Uh, pretty good wide receiver three set here with DK Metcalf, Lockett, and now Philip set And then they get a veteran in Greg Olson who I think is a good fit for this team. They're going to use a ton of tight ends between Jacob Hollister, Will Disley, and Olson but I do think it's a good fit for the team at this point in his career. End up losing George Font, who honestly wasn't that good last year at all. I believe George Font is now with the New York Jets. They lose Herman Effendi and Justin Britt. So just some more offensive guard and offensive line pieces that were filled via free agency what did they do in the NFL draft? Honestly, it was one of the worst NFL drafts I've seen at this point. DJ Dallas in the fourth round, uh, they ended up taking a tight end in the fourth round as well. Why do you need all those? Damian Lewis in the third round. So they really didn't address offense until the third round with an interior offensive lineman. Maybe he'll play center, but then they got two tight ends. They got a receiver in the sixth round and Freddie Swain, who doesn't profile out to be NFL caliber. And then they got a fourth round running back. who I like DJ Dallas is comped to Thomas Rawls, a former Seattle back, but I'm not too sure how much he's going to play, especially now with this Carlos Hyde signing. So the Seahawks have one of the worst off seasons in my Opinion when it comes to combining your draft with your additions, they got some old veterans in terms of skill position players in their free agency, and then not much going on in the draft, so that's a concern. But it almost didn't matter for Chris Carson. Like the offensive line had improved as the season had gone on, dating back two years ago, it continued to improve. Now they've lost pieces on it, so it's going to see how can they come together as a cohesive unit, especially with the pandemic going on, not being able to work as much together. That will be a question, but that will also be a question for just a lot of teams in general. The durability of Chris Carson. He missed twelve games with a fractured ankle in twenty. 2017, He was only on the injury report once in 2018, didn't miss any games with a hip strain. And then last year, he came out of the game in week 16 early with that hip fracture, missed week 17, missed the playoffs. And now he's going to be coming back and we're kind of waiting to see what he looks like after this hip fracture and the surgery that he had for it. So who does he have to compete with in this backfield? Well, it was Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, and the rookie DJ Dallas. Until yesterday, I had to go back and edit this and put Carlos Hyde in there. So I have Rashad Penny, Carlos Hyde, Travis Holmner, and DJ Dallas as the backfield competition. And you could put like a red X over Rashad Penny's name, for now because they were saying he might end up on the PUP list, of PUP, physically unable to perform. And based on the signing of Carlos Hyde, it feels really good that they're probably going to be putting Rashad Penny on that list, that he might miss a very, very large chunk of the 2020 season. And this should have been seen a little bit because they offered a sheet to Devonta Freeman and they and they have $4 million. This is a one year, $4 million deal. I'm sure a lot of it for Carlos Hyde is in incentives, but Devonta Freeman wanted to be paid more. I can't blame the guy. You should want to get paid more as much as you can, especially when your position is constantly underpaid. And it seems like the market cap for it really is, is just shrinking, if anything, when a lot of of other players are starting to increase it's kind of backwards but Devonta freeman they pretty much said we're not paying you that so we'll see if he ends up landing with the eagles but at this point it's going to be carlos hyde is probably the main backup right now the backups last year were rashad penny though on this team and how they performed was 23.6 percent of the snaps in nine games before injury he had 65 attempts for 270 yards and four touchdowns he caught eight balls of 11 targets. Honestly, he was not that efficient. He had like one game where he popped off and he started to take a little bit more of the snap share from Carson. Carson fumbled in that game. And then the second half, Penny to the right side took a long touchdown to the house. So it kind of spiked up a lot of his numbers, but just in general, he was highly inefficient in both the preseason and regular season last year. And then once Penny went down, Travis Holmner and Marshawn Lynch come into the picture and Holmner plays five games, was not that great at all. 26% of the snaps only had 18 carries for 114 yards. But what you really got to see was his, his passing game role. He caught 11 to 13 targets for 56. Six yards. And in those couple of weeks, having 11 catches in five games and really just four games of work as sort of a compliment piece to Marshawn Lynch is somewhat impressive for a younger kid last year. And then lastly, you do have DJ Dallas in 2019. DJ Dallas played for Miami, Florida he had three years there total. But in 2019, at 115 attempts, 687 yards, and then he piled on 14 receptions on 22 targets, 10 total touchdowns. Again, I mean, he, he was a guy who didn't have a full workhorse role there. You see only 129 total touches last year for less than 900 total yards. But he's a guy who. Who they drafted in the fourth round, potentially based on all the injuries to Chris Carson before this Carlos Hyde addition, what could have taken on a little bit of the workload here, similar to Thomas Rawls a couple of years ago when a ton of injuries hit the Seattle backfield. So I did not move Chris Carson based on the acquisition. I slightly did for maybe like five minutes from 17 to 19, then I moved him back up to 17. As long as Chris Carson himself is healthy, I think this is going to be somebody who the Seahawks are fine giving the ball 20 plus times. Like yes, Russell Wilson is out there and Tyler Lockett and now Greg Olson and DK Metcalf, who I think is going to be a stud. But this is still a run first offense. Expect if they have any sort of lead in the second half they heavily heavily skew to the run my number 18th ranked running back is going to be melvin gordon the new denver bronco last year he played 12 games he missed four games to start the season due to his holdout he played on 55.6 percent of the snaps for the chargers 162 carries for 612 yards in nine touchdowns he caught 42 of 55 balls so check down philip rivers was in full effect not only for austin eckler but even melvin gordon had 42 receptions in those 12 games he had 296 receiving yards this is where he ranked in the 12 games that he actually played when you just look at the entire league from weeks 5 to weeks 17 in those 12 games he ranked 10th amongst running backs and receptions 11th in receiving yards he ranked 6th in total touchdowns he had 15.1 fantasy points per game and he had 0.44 fantasy points per snap which ranked 9th top 10 in that department Overall, in those 12 weeks, he was the RB20, and it's hard to do much better than that in those 12 weeks when Austin Eckler is splitting a backfield for you and pushing for a top 10 running back performance. He did see 37 red zone touches in the 12 weeks, and that ranked 15th in the entire league, even when you factor in that he missed four weeks. So he was still getting the ball there. He saw 19.8% of the red zone touches on the ground. That was eighth in the entire league, and he saw 9.3% of the offense's touches inside the five yard line, which ranked fourth in the entire league. So what was the concerns with Melvin Gordon? Well, he was tied for first in fumbles with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. So those mates sharing a backfield. Now he was 51st in true yards per carry at just 3.7 and 38th in yards per route run. The true yards per carry stuff is definitely partially his fault, but also a terrible offensive line. So that's going to factor in a little bit, but he just lost a ton of efficiency partially due to that bad offensive line that they have now improved. Although he's gone when you go and look at the chargers, but a ton of efficiency was lost yet last year in both a yards created metric and both an evaded tackles metric. So you can see Ian Harditz here talking about the 2016-2018 Melvin Gordon, where he led the league by a mile, 23 broken tackles more than anybody else. Well, last year, if you just look at those 12 weeks, he ranked 26th in that department. So maybe a little bit out of shape, maybe his feet weren't under him for the first couple of weeks of the season as he came into the regular season right there in week five when everybody was good, had a month under their belt. And he didn't have any type of training camp or preseason, so it might've taken him a little bit to get into the, the breaking tackles habits because he ranked outside the top 25 last year for those 12 weeks when you look at everybody else during those 12 weeks and then also his efficiency dropped in a major way you can look at david zatch's tweet here 2018 to 2019 i'll just circle the overall yards created metric so how much they're creating on their own not really worrying about the offensive line it went from plus in terms of overall every single category that you're looking at after contact adjusted for offensive lines per receptions per attempt to trying to get everything in there to negative 0.53 so it was a major major 180 literally for Melvin Gordon last year in terms of his efficiency compared to the year before that so what happened in the offseason now at least in Denver to feel good about Melvin Gordon being there well he was obviously acquired their entire draft was fantastic for offense you got Albert O a fast tight end two very very speedy receivers possibly the best route runner in the league in Jerry Judy KJ Hamler who did not run a 40, but many have said he would have ran in the four twos out of Penn State. They added Nick Vanette in free agency. And then a big one, a big one that I think is going to go underrated is Graham Glasgow, the former Detroit Lion. Graham Glasgow, I'll put up right now just the offensive line rankings for Denver last year. Their O-line ranked 16th in run blocking and 14th in pass protection. But they added Graham Glasgow from Detroit, who was PFF's number nine graded overall run blocker in 2019 and 11th overall graded guard amongst all guards last year. Now they did lose Connor McGovern, which is going to be huge for them. He was the team's number one pass protector and he was the second best run blocker on this team and the fourth best pass protecting center in the entire league so that's going to hurt for drew Locke. they still do have tackle garrett bowles who after an impressive 2019 ended up playing 16 games over a thousand snaps and at a 76.1 overall pff grade that is very solid the team ran the 14th most times per game last year and it was mainly through a a pretty even split uh, running back by committee between philip Lindsay and royce freeman Lindsey played on 53.5% of the snaps last year. He had 224 carries and he added 35 receptions. He saw seven total touchdowns, 48 targets. He ranked 22nd in true yards per carry at 4.3. And then you had Royce Freeman in 2019, who ended up seeing 49.9% of the snaps, as close as you can get to a full-on RBCC. He had 132 carries, and a very interesting 43 receptions on 50 targets. He was more involved in the passing game last year than Phillip Lindsay. That's not something that you usually think about. He was 50th though in true yards per carry at 3.7. So the backfield competition is mainly going to be Philip Lindsey and Royce Freeman back here. Melvin Gordon should jump right to the top of that list. I think that you're going to see a compliment role as backups between both Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsey. I wouldn't be shocked if Royce Freeman was cut. They like all these backs, but if you're going to go spend money on Melvin Gordon and acquire him a veteran, it's not like you can just start giving the ball 50% of the time or anywhere near that now to Royce Freeman as your third string running back. Durability of Melvin Gordon at least should be questioned a little bit. In 2015, he missed two games with a knee injury. In 2016, he misses three games with a hip strain. In 2018, he misses four games with a hamstring. And then in 2019, he misses four games due to the holdout. So he actually did stay healthy last year, but he kind of gave you those missed games just by holding out instead. The only season where he's played every single snap and every single game without missing time outside of just injury reports and missing some practice time was 2017. So Melvin Gordon for me is somebody that I profile out as being a running back that they want to give the ball. And based on quotes from the team, 18 times per game, game. They have an offense now that is very set up to be pass friendly. They have an offensive line now with the addition of Graham Glasgow that should help with the running games. The offensive line overall, like I said, ranked last year around 16th in run blocking, 14th in pass protection around 15th overall. So very average. The loss of Connor McGovern, the addition of Graham Glasgow, I think it balances it out a little bit, helps the running game for sure, probably hurts the passing game a little bit when it comes to pass protection. So I do think there's a lot of weapons. I think that opens it up for Melvin Gordon. I think without question he's going to be the goal line back. It comes down to this. Melvin Gordon will be a top 20 back and likely a top 15 back if Drew Locke is good. Why? Because they'll move the ball, they'll get into the red zone, and Melvin Gordon is going to get all the touches inside the red zone. If Drew Locke is bad and they don't get into the red zone as much, he's gonna be pushed outside probably the top 20 and maybe even the top 25 because he's going to be pretty dependent on touchdowns. I think he'll catch the ball. Good amount but with philip Lindsay and royce freeman still on the team i also think they're going to see a decent amount of receptions at least for their role so if we can get melvin gordon to seeing 10 to 12 touchdowns yeah he's going to be a top 15 back if he's only scoring six touchdowns he's probably going to be pushed outside the top 25 and a lot of that is going to be on the shoulders of drew lock who they have surrounded with so much talent now it's just up to him to get that ball inside the 20 yard line and start pounding the rock with melvin gordon get us some tds baby real quickly take a second hit that big old like button right there big old hand and then smash that subscribe button and hit the notification bell if you can. All those things let me reach more people. If you're watching this right now and saying, Hey, I just stumbled upon your video or yeah, my friend told me about you. That's because of all these things, right? If you stumbled upon the video, the YouTube algorithm did it. Your friend probably saw it because somebody else was liking the video and all that stuff. So please do hit those things and hop into the discord totally free down below. Let's get back into this beautiful video. It's crazy for me to think that right now I have Levy on at running back 19 and I'm not totally against him. Like I think some people have him lower into the twenties, but like what, two years ago, this guy was arguably the RB one before his holdout. It's just insane how much a couple of years does make, but he's getting up there in age, right? Two years ago, he was in his prime at 26 years old. Now he's 28 years old uh, with a, a whole year taken off and really did not show too much last year. Wasn't God awful, but really wasn't that great either, especially when it came to an efficiency standpoint. So Le'Veon Bell did play 15 games for the Jets last year in his first year, even though Adam Gates probably didn't want him there, but 87.2% of the snaps, he saw 246 carries, only 789 yards and just four touchdowns, 66 receptions though on 78 targets, that was nice. Since Le'Veon Bell has been always known as sort of a pass catching running back, I broke his stats down into and really where he ranked receiving and rushing categories. So first off, I'll put receiving onto the board. Take a little gander at this, get your eyeballs all loosened up because right now last year in the receiving game, he was highly, highly involved. Fourth in routes run out of all running backs, seventh in targets and seventh in receptions, ninth in yards and eighth in red zone targets. So all that stuff is great, especially you start to see him eighth in red zone targets. It just doesn't pay off by getting the touchdowns. Here's where it was bad, and you can see red means bad. Red means stop at the light. Red means very bad. Red means you're crossing it out with an X on their name on a piece of paper, Well, you don't like those people. It's bad. 31st and dot averages up the target. 46th in yards after the catch per reception and 40th in yards per reception among running backs. So this is not good. This means he was catching the ball like at the line of scrimmage and just falling down onto the ground, right? That is not what we like to see out of Le'Veon Bell. A lot of it is just based on probably the plays. He was probably just a last second check down option. So this tells us that he wasn't really factored into passing plays as much. He wasn't schemed for as much as just being a last second check down and a quick escape route. And a lot of the time with 66 receptions, but based on the fact that these weren't downfield targets on the yards per reception, nothing after the catch, it probably tells me that he was just a last second check down and he was getting tackled immediately. So what I would like to see is just more involvement in terms of being schemed into the offense. In the running game last year, he was 67th in true yards per carry with just 3.2. I mean, when the guy goes for 246 carries and can't break 800 yards, you can probably tell that it was a terrible yards per carry season for him. He only had one rush of 15 plus yards only one rush. That's a breakaway run. Just one last year. His yards per touch were 51st. His yards created were at least decent at 21st because of his pass catching work. And then his fantasy points per opportunity. Get ready for this because it's it's triple digits. It's it's pretty crazy. 101st Le'Veon Bell's fantasy points per opportunity. Now, since he had so much work, he'll never be like first or second or third because once you get more touches, your efficiency starts to drop. If you have five touches and 100 yards in those five touches, obviously you're going to be ranked higher in that category. But outside the top 100, that's just flat out bad. And a good chunk of this had to do with just having one of the worst offensive lines in the entire league last year. It did not help Sam Darnold and him getting sacked and seeing ghosts nonstop. And it definitely did not help one Le'Veon Bell. The offensive line last year, in terms of run blocking, ranked 30th out of 32 teams. Absolutely brutal. Third worst in the league. And their pass protection ranked 28th in the league. That was bottom six in the league in the entire NFL. Because of this, the Jets just said, we're not going to run. They ran the 26 most times per game because they were trailing in games, because their offensive line stunk. Because their defense was at least half decent, but never that elite or great. And 24 per game was their amount of rushing attempts. Now, they did some things in the offseason that should actually make you a little bit happy. We just talked about Connor McGarvin leaving Denver. He actually went, the center went to one of the best pass blocking centers in the league, fourth overall. He went to the Jets. They got George Front from Seattle, who we talked about leaving there, although he was never really great. He's just kind of a meh offensive lineman, but Connor McGregor, a huge piece. And look at all the guards that they actually signed or added Alex Lewis, they re signed. Josh Andrews and Greg ran rotten. Inside offensive linemen, they ended up signing. So they add a lot of depth to this line. I mean, it was their biggest weakness last year, so you might as well fix it. They took Frank Gore as now a backup running back. They got Brashad Perriman in free agency. So a lot of activity. They ended up losing a ton of people as well. Ty Montgomery, he's gone. He signs with the Saints. Demarius Thomas, he's gone. Robbie Anderson, he's gone. He signs with Carolina, right? Uh, a ton of guards in general, Ryan Khalil, Tom Compton. You can look at all them. Brendan Shell, uh, Kelvin Beachman, so many guards. And that's why they had to add a lot in the offseason from free agency and then the NFL draft. I'll circle the draft now because they take McCall Becton, a guy who was pushing a car and. Increasing Increasing his draft stock likely because of that in the first round with the 11th overall pick and then I love what they did in the second round getting Denzel Mims at the back end of the second round and then they pick up another offensive tackle in the fourth round and Cameron Clark Lamichael Michael P Ryan at that point looked to be a backup running back but now probably third string behind Frank Gore so a pretty good offseason for the Jets in my opinion they filled big needs they got Connor McGarvin and Michael Becton in the draft and free agency for the offensive line. And that was their biggest need. I think that was a very good move by the Jets, both of those additions. Because I mean, the line was so bad. Nobody played over 810 snaps. Nobody played more than 14 games last year, and nobody had a PFF grade of over 67.5. 67.5 is right around average. So their best offensive lineman last year was average. That is not good because that means the overall average of the line, when you factor in everybody, was well below average at that point. So what does the backfield competition look like for Le'Veon Bell? Well, last year, I mean, there was a lot of backs who were in this backfield, Ty Montgomery being one of them, but they just never, gave those guys the ball. When you factor in both his pass catching work and his touches on the ground, the man had over 300 touches. So I don't know if we get another 300 touch season, but I think it's very much in the cards for Le'Veon Bell. In the backfield competition doesn't scare me. It's Frank Gore, who they just signed, who's going to be 38 years old. The Michael P. Ryan, Josh Adams, and Trenton Canton. I believe they'll probably cut Cannon or Adams or both of them. P Ryan, the rookie, might get some involvement, but now with Frank Gore there, I don't think it's going to be much. Gore last year only played 37% of the snaps, sort of lost his job during the last five or six Games last year in Buffalo to Devin Singletary. He had 166 carries, 599 yards, and two touchdowns. He got 13 balls on 16 targets for 100 yards. So there's nobody in this backfield to take pass catching work away from Le'Veon Bell. So I'm not worried about that. The man caught 66 balls last year. And if anything, his efficiency numbers that we went through just have to get better in that department. So even if he drops to like 60 receptions, 55, the efficiency numbers are probably good enough to outdo last season in the receiving game. And the man averaged 3.2 yards per carry on the ground, true yards per carry. That's likely to regress at least to like 3.7 or 4 overall which helps him even more. So I don't think Frank Gore is going to see like he did last year, 180 total touches. No, because Frank Gore started last year as the starting running back in Buffalo, and it took Devin Singletary after injury, probably eight to 10 weeks to actually take over as a workhorse back in that offense for Buffalo. So I do think Frank Gore probably comes in and sees maybe a hundred touches in this backfield. And I'm not too worried about that because that's what a backup running back will do. They'll see around a hundred touches. They'll see around five or six touches per game. So I'm not concerned about that. It just hurts with Michael P Ryan more than Le'Veon Bell. So Frank Gore being added by this team, it really didn't move Le'Veon Bell much for me. I think Le'Veon Bell is still going to see the red zone work. Maybe Frank Gore comes in on a fourth and in inches. He comes in to refresh Le'Veon Bell after Le'Veon Bell gets his first, and maybe his only yet again, 15 plus yard run of the season, but I'm not too worried about Frank Gore. He ranked 60th last year in yards per carry, true yards per carry at 3.4. Michael P. Ryan, I'll, I'll put up his profile, my rookie profile for him. All these profiles will be in the draft kit for every single rookie, and have a lot of the NFL players for this year. You can see right here, he played four years at Florida last year, 132 carries, 11 touchdowns, over 650 yards. And he was a pass catching. So if anybody's going to steal work from Bell, it would be P Ryan He got 40 of 55 targets last year, an eleven point eight percent target share as a running back. Anything over 10% is very good. Really, anything over eight and a half, nine percent looks good. But in college, almost 12%, that's elite. He had a 72.7% catch rate. And during his entire career, his entire career At college, four years, he got seventy-two balls on ninety-eight targets, so a very good pass-catching back coming out of college for the Jets. So, if we get any sort of improvement out of this offensive line, and you can see Adam Pfeiffer's tweet right here: longest run for Levy on Bell last uh, two seasons is twenty-seven yards, and he only had one run of fifteen more last year. It was brutal. The offensive line was terrible, but you can see very much similar to what you saw Adam say in this tweet. It should help getting Becton and McArvin. I think it will really help them. And if that's the case, I think Le'Veon Bell will be a top 20 running back for 2020. My 20th ranked running back is the rookie Jonathan Taylor. And before anybody goes crazy, I'm completely fine getting Jonathan Taylor in the fourth and fifth round. Sure, you don't want him in the third round, that's fine. But a lot of your league mates are not going to have as much faith in a rookie. This is the best pure runner that we've ever seen probably in college in terms of zone running. And now he's going behind the best zone runner that we've ever seen in probably the last decade and definitely the last two years in Quentin Nelson in Indy. It is a no brainer. But Sal Mack and Naheem Aynes, they're all there. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's why he's going in the fourth or fifth round. If he wasn't, if those guys weren't there, he'd be going as a first round pick. And I'm not even kidding about that. This is a first round talent. This is the talent level without the pass catching ability though of Saquon Barkley the pure running right now of Jonathan Taylor is better than Saquon Barkley when you talk about just on the ground. Saquon Barkley went as a pretty easily first round pick. He was going as top 10 picks in most drafts. The fact that Marlon Mack is still there and Naeem Himes, for some reason, people are getting all worked up about is still there, is driving Jonathan Taylor as a fourth or fifth round pick and you can easily get him there. Heck, if you want to take him in the third round, I'm not going to argue too much with you. Yes, I think it starts to get a little bit riskier there in terms of what else you could have had in those rounds, but in the fourth and fifth round, you're choosing Jonathan Taylor between him and the likes of Devin Singletary, between him and the, the likes of Mark Ingram. Those guys are not going to win you leagues. Devin Singletary is going to regress after a insane last year on a per-touch basis, Mark Ingram is on the wrong side of 30. These types of guys are not going to win you leagues. They're just going to be guys on your roster. Jonathan Taylor, if he pops up and he's a top 10 running back and he def- definitely can be in his situation, his skill set, his team, his offensive line, then that's going to win you leagues in the fourth and fifth round. So yes, he's a top 20 running back for me and only it'll get higher based on news that we'll get from the coaches. Them telling me that Naeem Himes is an unselfish player and he doesn't care if he gets the ball five to 10 times and that being twisted as a bad thing for Jonathan Taylor, makes me scratch my head. So in 2019, Jonathan Taylor ended up seeing over 300 carries, 320 to be exact, over 2000 yards and 21 touchdowns. And he caught 26 balls and 37 targets. The knock on Jonathan Taylor though, his pros and cons, one of the big cons, he had a 12.3% drop rate during college. His pass catching role is not that great. And he fumbled 17 times. Yeah, those are not great things, but you can share up fumbling. You can share up just dropping five yard passes, right? And his pass catching role was a lot better than people expect. Like, let me throw this up on the board. He came out of Wisconsin. So he gets a bad rep because they don't use their running backs. Melvin Gordon, who's been a very good pass catcher, probably, because of the system with Philip Rivers while he's with the Chargers, but Melvin Gordon only caught in three years, 22 balls in Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor last year in 14 games caught 26 balls alone, scored more touchdowns, had more yards all in one season than you got out of Melvin Gordon in three seasons with Wisconsin. So yes, when you're comparing Jonathan Taylor to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and DeAndre Swift in this draft, yeah, he's going to fall behind those guys in pass catching ability, but the knock on Jonathan Taylor automatically becomes, and go watch the tape. The guy can catch the ball. The guy can do stuff after the catch. He said it at the combine that he's a good pass catcher, but the knock on him is when you're comparing him to other guys. Guys. That's like saying that Aaron Jones is not a good pass catcher because Christian McCaffrey's in the NFL. That makes no sense to me. So Jonathan Taylor, to me, I think is being extremely, extremely undervalued, even in PPR formats. For some reason, people think that he's just garrett Blunt right now. This is a good pass catching running back. He just doesn't profile out as some of the elite pass catching running backs. But that's fine. Neither did Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon last year in twelve games alone caught forty two balls. So what did the Colts do in free agency to maybe help Jonathan Taylor and their team in general? Well, they got Philip Rivers. They got Philip Rivers, the man that I was just telling you threw the ball nonstop to Melvin Gordon forty two times last year in twelve games. Not even counting in Eckler's role. And now that's going to be in the backfield here. So when Jonathan Taylor's on the field, he can actually prove that he's a three down running back. And I do think he's going to do that at some point this season and start chucking the ball down to maybe it'll be Naeem Himes, maybe it'll be Marlon Mack sometimes, but it's going to be Jonathan Taylor at some point and he's going to command the ball. Ended up getting Roosevelt Knicks, which will help in terms of just the run blocking. He is a fullback and they lost some decent pieces, like right? Eric Ebron, they lost, who cares? He, he wanted to quit on the team. They lost Josh Andrews, at center, Devin Funches, who played like one game and then got hurt for them. So not a ton was lost. If anything, they just gained overall in free agency because of acquiring Phil, Rivers, in my opinion. NFL draft was really good for them. They got Michael Pittman in the second round. He should be able to come in. They want him to play the X receiver role. Then they'll put T.Y. Hilton on the other outside. And then Paris Campbell coming back from injury last year will be in the slot as an explosive slot receiver. They traded up for Jonathan Taylor in the second round, got their possible future QB and Jacob Eason in the fourth round, and then got some offensive line help and a late round wide receiver. So the backfield competition is Marlon Mack, Naeem Himes, and Jordan Wilkins. Not worried about Wilkins. I'm honestly not worried about Naeem Himes, although some other people are tweeting about it because in an article that was paraphrased improperly in my opinion they said that Naeem Himes is like expected to still get some work and the coach said he's, he's unselfish so he can modify his role but for some reason that's a bad thing for Jonathan Taylor that this guy's going to modify his role to like two touches per game yeah, but if there's some reason people think that means like three to five receptions per game not going to happen so Marlon Mack is a free agent after this year he's due 2.1 million dollars maybe in a contract year he'll do good but that's if they put him on the field last year though 55.5 percent of the snaps had 247 attempts and he had over a thousand yards and that was missing a couple of games he only played 14 total games, 12.8 fantasy points per game. He only caught 14 balls on 17 targets though. The guy was elite. I mean, through the first four or five games of the season, he was the leading rusher in the NFL in terms of how many rush attempts per game, but that's not that hard to do when you're running behind Quentin Nelson. And I do like Marlon Mack. I really do. I think he's gotten the short end of the stick kind of with this whole situation and drafting Jonathan Taylor. But the facts are that Jonathan Taylor is just a much better version of Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is the, the, the light package, the poor man's Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion. Naeem Hines has two years left on his contract. His contract is four years for 3.8 million. He is due 750. $50,000 this year. He played on 32% of the snaps last year, 52 carries for 199 yards. He caught 44 balls on 58 targets, 6.6 fantasy points per game. He was tied for 16th with running back receptions and targets last year. He played every single game Naeem Hines did. I do think Naeem Hines is a good pro. I think he's, I think he's experienced. I think he's a good pass catcher, but it's just not going to be enough, in my opinion, for him to be worked in. They're not going to use a three-headed backfield monster here. You spend up, you trade up, if anything, right? You trade up. So you want this guy and Jonathan Taylor on your team. You trade up for him. Maybe it'll take him two to three weeks to break out. But if you're getting 10 to 12, to maybe 16 weeks of Jonathan Taylor as a workhorse, and arguably the best offensive line and likely the best offensive lineman in the entire league and Quentin Nelson, a zone runner who was an elite in college and now is going into the best zone running blocking offense in the entire league right now in, in the Colts, yeah, I'll end up going there without a question. I like Jonathan Taylor as a top 20 running back. That's where I'm at right now. Those are my top 20 running backs. I'll put them all up on the screen. Let me know what you think of this video. Hit the subscribe button. Hit that button, right? Smash it appreciate you doing that it really does help me reach more people if you enjoy this type of content all you got to do is hit that like button and it goes a long way notification bell and subscribe button, all those things so the question of the day would you rather have melvin gordon or chris carson let me know the answer of that right now and get into the discord it's totally free take two seconds of your time what is discord you might ask it's just a group messaging app where there's a ton of people in there we're talking i'll update you on the draft guide in there i'll update you on anything else we're making some dynasty league some season long league so get into the discord it's very fun it's easy it's free it's a way to be collaborative it's a way to just kind of chat with other people who are like-minded to you hit the subscribe button before you go. Thank you so much for tuning into another video. I will see you all in the next one.